0: This is The Lonely Office, your playbook for navigating the messy line between work and life. Our topics are sourced from real, anonymous workplace conversations happening within Glassdoor communities. From going through 10 rounds of Zoom interviews to the scam that is unlimited PTO, we discuss timely work-life issues so you don't have to brave the
1: professional world alone. I don't think I've told you both about Olivia, but this one's off the charts. Olivia, I haven't heard of her, Don't know her. (laughs) Olivia and her colleagues at the agency had a bit of an unspoken pact. Just fly under the radar, strengthen numbers, always look productive at work so you never get fired. But after COVID, now that hybrid work was the norm, pressure mounted from their direct reports. That's when Olivia noticed her colleagues' performance patterns starting to change. Interesting. Yeah, they're working nonstop. They're more productive than they ever were. Matt, Leah, where did they get the energy from? coffee. Something not coffee, but (laughs) not quite over-the-counter. She felt trapped because at this rate, she'd never be able to keep up with them. But she made her choice, and that's when Olivia's performance (laughs) skyrockets.
2: Performance-enhancing drugs?
1: (laughs) Well, she crushes her performance review. She gets promoted. She's flying high. Until... The day comes when she calls the telehealth line to refill her ADHD medication. Uh, Yes, Leah. That script, she managed to get her doctor to write months ago, okay? There was a shortage on this particular medication, and they didn't know when it would be available. All Olivia thought was, there's not enough coffee in the world (laughs) to help me. She'd have to figure out something fast because she was about to be found out.
0: That's a predicament. (laughs)
1: This is a story here that I thought was a unique story, Matt, but in fact, as I'm learning from Glassdoor and Fishbowl threads, this is actually a thing that's happening and more common than I thought. This is a very
0: widespread story. It's not a story. It's, it's a personal part of many people's professionals' lives. You only have to go and search ADHD in the subreddits of Reddit or the bowls of Fishbowl, and you'll see millions of... Of people, adults, speaking about this problem. So for the purposes of today's show, we want to discuss the use of these ADHD-type stimulant drugs specifically for performance-enhancing aims. So really, professionals and the phenomena of more and more adults using these for performance-enhancing reasons. Of course, all of us have family members who've been actually medically diagnosed with ADD or ADHD and are suffering... At extreme disadvantages compared to others, I don't think we're looking to discuss those folks. The demand for these type of drugs is growing as more people are being diagnosed with it. It's not a coincidence that the shortage that your story that Olivia mentioned of ADHD medications is happening, right? Yep. Almost 8% of U.S. adults ages 18 to 44 had been diagnosed with ADHD during their lives. According to NIH and CDC studies, So there's extreme demand. And anytime there's extreme demand, as we all know, during the pandemic days, you get supply-side shortages. You know it's serious when the FDA gets involved. Fall of October 2022, the FDA announced a shortage. You can read it on their website, and it was widely covered in the media, of amphetamine mixed salt compounds. Of course, those are the compounds that make up Adderall and other stimulant ADHD-type drugs. Since then, there's been even a sort of domino effect with... Compounds of other stimulants that are in the marketplace, like brand name Ritalin and Concerta, almost the entire chemical cocktail of ADHD drugs has been kind of going through a bit of a shortage crisis due to lack of supply. or production issues around them. The reason why I think this story is so fascinating is this is something that's hitting the entire workforce, I'd say fairly large numbers. You can sense it anecdotally. You could also, frankly, just sense it from stories
1: from your loved ones or friends or friends of friends. My wife, she was the first kid in our city to officially be diagnosed with ADHD. And as I've come to find out through a lot of years of discovery and therapy and investigation, she is one of those legitimate cases, right? So when I was telling you the story about Olivia, and I'm thinking she's using it here for performance enhancing reasons. I think about my wife, who in the last three months has not been able to utilize some of the prescription medication she uses to help just balance out this deficit. Right, And it's been a huge deal. When I was telling the story, I was kind of feeling bad for Olivia. Now I'm thinking, how many of those people are responsible for the shortage? That's a great point.
2: Yeah. Don't feel bad for Olivia.
1: Yeah.
0: I mentioned the demand is skyrocketing. And and I think that's exactly the case. It's skyrocketing amongst off-diagnosis uses or basically people either taking this without being prescribed the drugs or perhaps self-diagnosing and finagling their way to a prescription. And you can lean into different studies. There was one from 2014 that was presented to the Pediatric Academic Society that cited one in five Ivy League students without an ADHD diagnosis used prescription stimulants, specifically performance study enhancement. That was almost a decade ago. You almost have to ask yourself, where would that be now? There's a plethora of literature on this topic, books like ADHD Nation and Generation Rx, all of them document. What's considered the rampant overdiagnosis, I should say, of ADHD within different populations?
2: I remember all that conversation around college students using ADHD drugs. I somewhat naively hadn't really thought about the fact that would continue on into like a corporate setting. Yeah, me too. The, I mean, it makes sense.
1: Interesting. Yeah. It just
2: never occurred to me.
1: I'm in the same club as you, Leah. Matt, did you have an insight? I mean, you probably did, but let me ask you, did you have an Matt insight to Matt hangs the-
2: out with the programmers. That's <laughs> why he knows.
1: I was very late <laughs> to this game of the programmers. Yeah, no, but
0: you're right, Leah, is that I was introduced to this later on in the workforce. And by introduced to it, meaning exposed to it via employees and colleagues who were using it in a professional realm. And I really wasn't exposed to it at all during my high school or collegiate realm, not due to the fact that it wasn't Happening as these studies showed, but because maybe I just was in the different wrong social group. <laughs> Look, there are groups in the hundreds of thousands are ADHD programmers, are wow. ADHD accountants. It's clear there's a professional adult use case for these drugs that's happening, and many of them are legitimate, no doubt, and being diagnosed correctly. But you don't have to go and re- through much of the literature that I mentioned beforehand to realize
1: that overdiagnosis is also a true phenomena happening as well. Here's the thing. I'm a straight edge, and I say that only because I'm afraid of any kind of drug. But they clearly work. Yes. Look at Olivia. Yeah. She's got a promotion. She went from bare minimum Mondays to next thing. She's getting promoted (laughs) in in her performance review. They're not doing it because it doesn't work.
2: Well, and she felt like she had to do it to keep up with her colleagues, too. Not to defend her. That's the thing. But yeah.
0: It's almost unfair Right. It's almost like to Olivia's story, it would be unfair in many ways for her competition, her colleagues at work, to be taking them and her not to be taking them. And it seems like that's what really motivated her to take it as well. My kids are still way too young for me to be worried about this, but Mm -hmm. I have a number of nephews and nieces who are in that realm of high school. They've gone about exploring potential use for pure competition reasons. Right. And as we all know, schooling is graded on in a bell curve, it's all based on the performance
1: vis-a-vis relative to others. It's not absolute. The demand is there because it works. Leia, Matt, myself, we're all parents. My kids aren't old enough yet to be into these conversations. But to hear that, my thought is... God, is the competition, is the pressure so great now for kids of that generation? It's
2: terrifying.
1: And maybe I'm coming off as like one of the coffee club members, the senior citizens in the morning, I should just join their table. (laughs) But I'm asking here, is the competition that much more intense and visceral?
2: I don't know if it's because I'm in the Bay Area, but my observation is that yes, it is. Mm -hmm. My kids are self-motivated in a way. I mean, like I was a motivated kid, but they're motivated in a way that I never was because of the competition at school. The other thing that kind of blows my mind, I thought these people were just buying ADHD drugs illegally. It shouldn't be easy to get an ADHD diagnosis. I had those ADHD conversations with a pediatrician, or there's a whole process, typically.
1: The world that both of you are describing right now reminds me a ton of growing up in the 90s and watching Major League Baseball and the ups and downs of that era. (laughs) And I know, Leah, I got to go here, but you will agree with me that this is a really clear comparison here, I think. What you saw in the 90s with a lot of these baseball players was some of these guys were playing for five years, averaging like six, 10 home runs a year. And then there's this period of like five years, they're popping 40 to 50 home runs a year. And it was such an exciting time. We were all caught up in that as sports fans until we clear our eyes a little bit from the night out prior. (laughs) And what we started noticing with a lot of investigations was there was overuse. So I say all this to say, Leah, I hear Olivia's story. I'm not excusing it. Like you said before, Leah, I'm just saying I understand the pressure of what she and many other folks might be feeling. It's almost like it transitions
0: from being advantaged by using these drugs to not being disadvantaged. And and that's That's right. those are distinctly different. Leah, you mentioned that the overdiagnosis. So If you look at any of these studies, these NIH or CDC studies and what they consider to be the baseline percentages they would expect versus the amount of people being prescribed, there's clearly a big delta. And it even turns out the father of ADHD, Dr. Keith Connors, he's a psychologist who was the first one to establish the very first tools and standards for the diagnosis of ADHD. Later in life, he became one of its biggest critics. He believed the true rates of ADHD should be around... 2 to 3%, not the 10% that the CDC reports, there are bad medical incentives that exist that push physicians and the, the medical industry to be more aggressive in prescribing certain products. That's right. When you look at the remote work phenomena over the past two to three years, it appears that telehealth companies did play a big role in really binging on ADHD prescriptions during this era, so much so that just earlier this year, the Biden administration And the Drug Enforcement Administration said physicians would no longer be able to prescribe medications via telehealth without certain rules in place. I actually went into this a bit. There were flexibility rules introduced into telehealth at the beginning of COVID, just like all these other mandates that occurred. There were new flexibility rules making it easier to accommodate people who needed these prescriptions without being able to see in person. And these telehealth flexibility rules will be expiring this November. Between now and November 11, 2023, I just see the Olivias of the world just, they're on the phone. They're like, I got to get mine in. The industry has played a big role here in the overdiagnosis and the government is self-correcting now a bit.
2: There's also an interesting societal shift. I feel like people are much more open talking about their mental health struggles, at least on TikTok. And I know I'm on TikTok way too much. There's a lot of self-diagnosing of ADHD. And autism and a variety of other, neuro-spicy is what people...
0: Neuro-spicy, okay. People
2: say it. <laughs> There's a trend where people will post a video where that say they'll give examples of, these are signs that you might be autistic, and it'll be like, I don't like itchy socks. Or these are signs you might have ADHD. And it'll be something like, I have a hard time completing boring tasks. Things that probably apply to almost everyone. And I wonder if people are seeing some of those videos Mm. and using that as a rationale or kind of an excuse to self-diagnose and put yourself on these drugs. And obviously, I don't mean people who have a legitimate diagnosis.
0: I think self-diagnosis is real. You read through some of these discussion threads on Fishbowl and Reddit, and I'm just going to read a few of them. And So these are all anonymous, explaining why they ended up self-diagnosing. I greatly suffer, and Adderall helps me a lot. I'll switch topics mid-sentence sometimes.
2: <laughs> That's me all the time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> sounds like me on this podcast. There's another one. Without medication, I would regularly work two to three hours a day because I just could not be bothered doing anything. Adderall allows me to stay focused on tasks for the full workday. That sounds like my typical workday. It's hard for me to get more than two to three hour workday. Like, it sounds like a very normal mindset. Again, not trying to minimize here, but... Face value, it's hard to read some of these discussion threads where folks are saying why they believe they have it and not conclude that there's just self-diagnosis happening.
2: Well, and I was served this Instagram yeah. ad, take this quiz, you might be ADHD. I don't know why. Wow. Clicked it.
0: An ad on Instagram for ad ADHD. Ad
2: on Instagram. And it's like, wow. the quiz told me yeah. I had ADHD. So I was like, my husband I was like, look at this. He's like, Shock. wow. Surprise, I'm, surprise. Been saying that for years.
1: Every time we talk, I find that there's so much more gray than even I anticipate and nuance here. Because look, you said it a couple of times, but I want to emphasize people are legitimately having an issue in a lot of different spectrums and a lot of different experiences. That's true. And I understand, Leah, and I understand why people do it. We really get this sort of testimonial environment where it's outside the radio. Hell, it's outside a podcast. It's on your feed and it's from everyone. Here's the thing, you were talking about telehealth. Before the pandemic, I had never gone in to talk to a therapist mm. when I really needed it for a lot of myriad of reasons. Because I don't want to do the 20-minute commute, sit in the doctor's office, read yeah. People magazine, look at the lady. <laughs> now I've been with my therapist for two years now and it was the best decision ever. Does that therapy session have to result in a prescription for an ADHD
0: type s- stimulant? I think that's where the slippery slope Right. And it hasn't, but it could in the certain situations, but yes. Yeah. I don't want to put startup names out there, but there's a cottage industry now of startups in the therapy space. And I don't think there's been any studies on yep. this, so I want to be careful what I say, but I'd be cautiously skeptical about the number of those sessions that are really just prescription sessions for ADHD. I like your skepticism. I'd be really there. curious to see for every one of those patients that use one of these platforms What percentage of them are netting out a prescription drug? So is this just a conduit to get a drug for my self-diagnosis, or is
1: this really kind of mental therapy? With my personal decision, and and someone listening might benefit from this, I went in with that healthy skepticism as well. So the therapist I talked with is a licensed therapist, but they do not have the ability to prescribe Mm. medication. And I purposely chose that route because they have the training. They can technically diagnose these type of things. But what I wanted to do was have someone in the space that didn't have a direct pen and paper to write me something. If I needed prescription help, I could go to a psychiatrist and get that script written. But I use that as a buffer. And I think going back to the whole thing, Olivia fell into this trap, right? This trap of everyone around me is performing well. They're not just under the radar now. They're (laughs) over the radar because their performance is so good. And now she's participated in it and now she feels at risk for her own job. Right. Real quick, the part of the flexibility rule that's
0: expiring is even if the patient isn't at a hospital or clinic registered with the DEA, they can be prescribed. And after the expiration of this rule, the patient has to be prescribed at a hospital or a clinic registered with the DEA. So not only does it have to be in person at the hospital or clinic, you can't get it via telehealth anymore. That's gonna be pretty dramatic, right? And I'm really interested in seeing how much correction you do see in some of the administration of these ADHD type stimulant drugs. So why don't we transition here a bit into, what are the alternatives, right? So we're seeing on the one hand that you're at extreme disadvantage in some cases as a professional if you're not using this stuff.
2: There are also conversations, obviously, much smaller groups about people microdosing mushrooms Uh to be more creative, to do a better job at work. For some reason, I find that less objectionable. (laughs) I don't really know why. Maybe because I think of it as such a niche group. Maybe creatives just live in a separate world in my mind. So I'm like, let them do what they got (laughs) to do. <laughs> I mean, it's not uncommon. Right. No, you're right. In creative spaces and in the Bay Area, at least.
1: I know it's becoming more normalized, in that. So, my wife started experimenting with the mushroom coffee as a substitute for the wow. shorted. Okay. Oh, wow. She hasn't done microdosing, Leah, but she has done organic, non hallucinogenic mushrooms for mushroom coffee because. When she's doing her research, she's saying, like, there are some properties here that could also act as a substitute for her ADHD medication. I don't know the effect. She's saying so far it works or at least has been helpful. Yeah. And you only have to launch up a
0: episode of Huberman podcast to try to figure out some of these naturally occurring substances that perhaps can impact. None of us here are obviously, you know, medical experts or healthcare practitioners. But I would just really surprised that the amount of experimentation amongst supplement drugs that aren't prescription drugs that a lot of professionals are trialing for mental clarity and for alertness everything from ginseng to you mentioned ginkgo and just caffeine and one of them were mentioning brazil nuts i don't know about you but when i have a bag of nuts those nuts that i hate the most are the brazilian nuts <laughs> Always. i just like i never like i know apparently the, worst. the brazilian nuts are high in selenium and selenium helps brain plasticity which is another maybe advantage We're going out of our way to try to figure out how else we could, perhaps in a natural, a more natural way, provide ourselves some level of alertness and mental stimulation that doesn't require a
1: prescription, that doesn't require Ritalin or Adderall. This could be a cool opportunity down the road as a follow-up to invite Dr. Huberman on the podcast. Oh, that would be amazing. If you'd like to hear from him on this podcast and want us to go after him, please reach out to us and let us know. That being said, on the whole Brazilian nuts theme, wasn't there another... Some of your colleagues or someone that you no names please use, right? Yeah. I don't know if it's stimulant or to fight fatigue. At previous startups,
0: emphasis on previous, I learned some of my engineers were using a drug that is intended and in use by military fighter pilots to battle fatigue. Oh. There's studies out there documenting its use by the Royal Netherlands Air Force fighter pilots. These guys are basically spending 24 hours or more up in the air, Hmm. and dozing off is the difference between life and death, right? So understand the use case there. I was shocked, to say the least, when I heard some engineers were using this medically prescribed drug, either self-diagnosing or being legitimately diagnosed, for purposes of staying all night and coding. I only bring up this example. I don't want anyone to take from this, like, oh, this is a great use case. Like, no, if anything, these are cautionary tales. Right,
1: yeah. You're not Maverick and Goose here. Yeah. Yes, yeah. A drug like that, you have to be medically
0: prescribed... And the fact that you have portions of the workforce experimenting with these cocktail of drugs, these prescribed drugs, just goes to show the levels a lot of us will go try to attain higher levels of achievement and work productivity.
2: It's kind of sad how kids are so stressed in school that they're turning to ADHD drugs to help them perform better. You could say the same thing for the workplace.
0: You'll read amongst the population of users of these drugs is there are also a fair amount of recovering addicts, right? So... Those professionals who've decided at an earlier time to use these medically prescribed drugs for performance enhancing purposes, and now they're finding themselves addicted to it. There was a thread that I came across. I'm a recovering Vivanase addict. Or is it I think Vyvanse? it's Vivance. Oh, sorry, Vivance. Vivance. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Correction. I'm a recovering Vivance addict, and I took my 60 milligrams as prescribed for years. I prefer to say addict rather than heavily dependent. These drugs are highly addictive, nothing to mess around with. They're so powerful that they change who we are and they change my personality. I wish I never tried it because it changed who I was and now I'm on a difficult journey of finding my way back to the real me. In fact, there's many replies and one of the replies basically is somebody echoing like they've gone through the same experience. There's a real danger. There's a cautionary tale here. I think it's probably smart for us to end the show on. Get prescribed medically for this stuff. Stay away from the self-diagnosis before you indulge in these without proper medical supervision.
1: I totally agree. And one of the things when you were talking about both of you, just the proliferation of this in the workforce at school with kids, this isn't a dare ad, but I got to tell you, this is a moment, I think, for self-reflection to look and realize that there are people who have been diagnosed, who have gone through the proper procedures and really need this medication to stay level. The other thing though, is really assess what's the reason why you're doing this Part of being human is only being able to focus for a few hours. Part of being human is needing time away from work. It's time to move our minds somewhere else. We should respect those limitations. Not saying push past them and try to be better people. Absolutely. But do it in an organic way. Otherwise, there becomes addiction and a lot of pain there. And worst case, you're Olivia. Now you have created a psychological landscape for yourself where you're dependent on this thing just to be able to work. Our protagonist in Olivia here, she's kind of in a pickle.
0: What advice would you give it in Olivia?
2: She did just recently get promoted. That's a great time to pivot the way you work. It's probably a good time for her to sort of take her foot off the accelerator and wean herself off of these drugs
0: earlier rather than later.
2: Maybe try Brazil nuts. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I've also heard people say that they felt like they had amazing output while on ADHD. People who were not diagnosed with ADHD. And when they go back and look at those, whatever it is, business documents that they were writing in a frenzy in the middle of the night, they actually weren't great. It was not their best work.
1: That's right. It's like the night before goggles kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? You leave Studio 54, next thing you know, it's not as beautiful as it once was. The lights are out (laughs) and the daylight comes up. Daylight shines the truth on a lot of things. Hey, you made it. Thanks for tuning into the Lonely Office. If you like what you heard, follow us on all major podcast platforms so you don't miss an episode and make sure and tap five stars and leave a review. I know everyone says it, but it actually helps others like you discover the show. Remember, the topics you hear us talk about on the show are sourced from Glassdoor communities where professionals are having candid conversations about their careers anonymously with others in their industry. To be part of that conversation, download the Glassdoor app. And when you're in the app, make sure and join the Lonely Office Bowl. That's where we are. When you're there, you can suggest a topic idea or an episode idea, or you can make it more formal and email us at thelonelyoffice@glassdoor.com We'll catch you next time.